Hey guys, it's good to see you again. In May of 2016, a man by the name of David Shoshin, an uh, Israeli man living in Haifa, filed for a restraining order. According to police reports, he said he had been treated harshly and not nicely by God. On several occasions, he had actually called the police, and they, on ten separate occasions, had sent police cruisers to his house in response to his complaints about his relationship with God. Unable to really resolve uh, much of their relationship conflicts, the suggestion was made, perhaps you should try filing a restraining order, and he did. Uh, Court records show that David Shoshin showed up in court, but the records also note that God was not present to defend himself. Uh, The judge heard the case and then quickly threw it out. You know, I think our issue is not so much the issue of David Shoshin. I think the issue is not so much that we hear God speaking so much, it's that we wish he would speak more. We talked this morning about listening to what God has said. And guys, I hope you take that message and and those scriptures that Mike walked through with us and you let that be what resounds in your heart and in your mind. I pray that you go watch that sermon again on YouTube again, uh, again and again, that you can soak in these words, these words of truth about what God's will is for your life. But what happens when we want to know what God's will is for something that isn't necessarily in scripture, like something about my future or about my relationships or even just about my day, Right? Like, let's say that you just wake up on some Saturday and you say, all right, God, I know that you want me uh, to tell other people about you. And so today I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to just try to talk to random people and tell them about who you are. But will you just kind of give me some guidance? I'm kind of nervous about it. Will you help me know what I need to do, what I need to say? Maybe can you just like give me some pointers on some ways to start conversations? And maybe, not to say that any of you would ever do this, or that I have ever done this, but uh, maybe you would, you know, just kind of hope, pray. Maybe if I just kind of pray and shake my Bible a little bit and open it up, God will give me a, a special word, right? So we pray, and we hold our Bible, and we uh, open it up, and we read Isaiah 20, verse 2. At that time, the Lord spoke by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from your waist and take off the sandals from your feet. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. That was unexpected. Um, No, I don't think the Bible is some sort of magic eight ball, right? That we can shake and hope to find magical answers to our life. In fact, just as Mike talked this morning about reading carefully... I think perhaps we need to get better at listening carefully. I don't know if you knew this or not, but our brains can remember about 15 seconds of what we hear previously, even if we're not paying close attention. 
So I don't, I don't know if you knew this or not, but basically what this means is that, you know, if you're kind of distracted or doing something, you can hear something and recall it for about 15 seconds. You may not have known this, but for sure you guys use it all the time, right? With all your parents and teachers and youth group leaders like, amen, yes, this is what happens all the time. Uh, I had a psychology professor once who said his wife would do this to him. Uh, they'd be at home talking and he'd be telling some story and she'd be like reading a book or something, right? And so after a while, he's like, she's totally not paying attention to what I'm saying. And so he's telling the story and he'll just stop and say, hey, you're not listening to me. And she'd look up and she'd say, well, yes, I am. You just said, and then she'd say whatever he just said. So finally he decided to try an experiment, right? Uh, so next time it happened, he was telling a story. She was in her book and he knew she wasn't paying attention. So he just stopped, right? And he waited for 15 seconds. Then he was like, hey, you're not paying attention to me. She looks up, yes, I am. You just said, maybe I wasn't paying attention. It's pretty good. No, I think we have a problem with this, right? We have a problem with listening carefully, with half listening. And it's not just in our relationships with each other. Unfortunately, I think it also bleeds into our relationship with God. In fact, I think it's possible for us to hear God without really hearing him. In other words, God may be speaking, but we just may not be listening. And so today, this afternoon, I just want to tell you something very simple. And it's this, to know God's will for your life, listen. To know God's will for your life, listen. Someone once said, love is attention. And perhaps giving God our undivided attention is one of the best ways that we can show our love to him. John chapter 10, Jesus is teaching his disciples. And there he begins to tell them, kind of through an example of what following him is supposed to be like. This is what he says in John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This example is a little bit disconnected from our daily lives, right? But I think we get the idea. You have a bunch of sheep. And a shepherd comes and regularly brings them out and helps them find food. And so over time, those sheep learn to hear the voice of the shepherd, recognize the voice of the shepherd. In fact, today, you can go to the Middle East and find Bedouin shepherds uh, with uh, their sheep kind of wandering all about the hills. And around certain bodies of water, you may have four or five or six different flocks of sheep all at the same water at the same time. They get mixed up and mingled together. It's confusing to keep track of them. But when it comes time for one of the shepherds to leave, he simply calls out and his sheep know his voice and they turn and they follow. Jesus says something pretty phenomenal then in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own 
and my own know me. Now, I don't know if you've heard this passage a lot of times before, or if this is the first time you've ever heard it, but listen to this. Jesus seems to suggest that his own will recognize his voice. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus seems to suggest that his own will recognize his voice. And so, are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? If you want to know God's will for your life, listen. Well, how do we do this? I think the first step is to eliminate the other voices from our lives, to actually tune out the other voices around us. There are other voices that want to speak into us, to lead us out, to take us places that the good shepherd would not want us to go. The Bible has a name for that. It's called idolatry. Now, in the ancient Near East, in the time the Old Testament was written, uh, people didn't believe that there was just one God, right? They believed that there were all sorts of different gods. And so they would make images of them and bow down to them and worship them. And the Bible talked about this idolatry. But for us, like, we don't really do that, right? We don't have, like, images of wood and stone that we bow down to. And so I figured this would probably be a little bit disconnected from us. So I thought maybe it would be helpful right here in the middle of this afternoon to just give you a little bit of a crash course, okay? I don't know if you've ever had this lesson in church before, but here we go. How to worship an idol. All right. Step one, you have to figure out what God you want to worship, right? So back then they had gods for all sorts of things, right? So uh, you want your crops to do better, then there's a God for that. Or there's a God that's in charge of helping your wife have more kids. Or a God in charge of helping you feel better and not be sick anymore. Or a God in charge of helping you grow your business, okay? So you just figure out what your desires are. What do you want, right? What do you feel like you really want? Then you figure out how to please the God associated with that desire. So you want more kids, figure out how to please the God in charge of that. You want better crops this season, you figure out how to please the God in charge of that. I don't know who you end up worshiping. Maybe you worship Baal, or maybe you worship Asherah, or maybe you worship Chemosh, or maybe you worship Moat. I don't know. Choose your God, but you got to choose it. Then you got to make your idol. Okay, so step number two, you walk out into the forest and you find yourself a good, strong tree, all right? has to be strong, has to be, you know, thick and mighty, because you don't want like a little flimsy tree for your God that you're going to bow down and worship, right? So you got to find a, a nice, good one. Then you cut it down. <clears throat> you choose the part of the tree that you want to use for your idol. You kind of cut that part out, and then you set the rest of the wood aside. We're going to use that here in a minute. Then you take the wood for your idol uh, to the craftsman that you've hired. Yeah, this costs money, guys, right? Nothing's free. So <clears throat> you got to take it to the craftsman, uh, and, and they're going to spend hours chiseling away at this. If you got some money, you can even, once they're finished, you can have them plate it in gold or silver, which is pretty sweet, right? I mean, you can imagine bowing down to something gold or silver day after day. That would be pretty awesome. Maybe worth the investment. You just got to decide. So anyway, once they're all finished with that, then they give you the idol, right? So now you take that idol back to your house, and then you have to make sure, this step is really important, you have to make sure that you like secure it down with braces or something. I mean, because that'd be like the worst, right? Like, there you are bowing down to your idol and it like topples or something and falls off and the head falls off. That would be terrible. You don't want that to happen. So you got you to gotta brace it, right? And make sure that doesn't happen. And then, well, by now you're probably getting pretty hungry. 
So uh, the next thing you should do is, is go ahead and, and take all that wood, the rest of the wood, right, that you cut down from that tree, and you can start a fire, um, and then cook your dinner over that fire. Fire, It'll be really nice. Make sure you're nice and full. And then once you're nice and full, then you kind of step back, okay? And then you can bow down and start to worship the wood. Uh, no, not the wood of the fire, the wood of your idol, right? So you bow down and worship it. This is crazy, right? I mean, I think we'd all agree this is crazy. God actually agrees this is crazy. Uh, time after time in the Old Testament, he speaks through the prophets and he's like, <clears throat> um, I don't, do you realize what you're doing? Like, uh, you're bowing down, it's, it's wood. Like, it's literally wood. You cut it down. And then you, like, use some of the wood to, like, heat your house. And then you're, like, bowing down to the other part of wood. Do you think they're going to, like, tell you something? Do you think these idols are going to, like, predict the future for you? Why don't you ask them to do something? Go ahead. Ask. I'll wait. Oh, you didn't hear anything. That's right, because it's wood. Is it going to predict the future? Go ahead. Ask it to do anything, like any trick or anything at all, just something. Oh, it's not doing anything because it is wood, right? Man, those people in the Old Testament were crazy. I can't believe some of the things that they would do. I mean, we would never, ever, ever bow down or worship something besides the one true God, right? Well, maybe sometimes our culture can portray for us images that we worship and that we serve. I mean, I actually don't know how much more explicit you can get. For several years, we had a TV show called American Idol. And we listen to the messages that we receive from our culture, from Hollywood, from movies, right? They tell us how we are supposed to look. They tell us how we are supposed to dress. They tell us what defines fat and skinny. They tell us what defines cool or not cool. They speak to us about our identity. They tell us this is how you are to think about yourself. And we listen to these lies. We pay for them. We bow down and we worship them, but they do nothing for us. They do nothing to speak to the truth, the truth that God wants to speak into our lives. They do nothing. They say nothing. And yet we continue to worship these idols and it keeps us from hearing the voice of the shepherd. Some of you bow down at the idol of pleasure. For you, you worship The God of sex and seduction, you've fallen into the trap of pornography or doing things with your girlfriend or boyfriend or sexual experimentation and it's all fun and it's cheap and it's easy and it it just makes me feel good for a moment. And then that moment passes and then all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the emptiness comes back. We listen to the lies, don't we? The lies that say, oh, you know what? You deserve this. The lies that say, it's okay. You're not hurting anybody. The lies that say, you know what? You've got this under control. Don't worry. It's actually not really a sin. It's fine. And yet, as soon as we're by ourselves, 
soon as we're in that moment of temptation, we give in once again. No, all of this is idolatry. And it keeps us from hearing the voice of the shepherd. Or maybe for you, it's none of those things. Maybe for you, it's just the fact that you enjoy being holier than everybody else around you. In fact, you believe that your way, your church, your rules, your religion are better than everybody else's and are really the only way to follow God. And so perhaps for you, you kind of pride yourself on the fact that you're not damaging your reputation. You're not doing all of these other things that other people are doing because you're, you're better than that, right? And you believe that God is pleased with you because of what you do. But that too is an idol. And it keeps us from hearing the voice of the shepherd. Maybe for you, it's none of those things. But before you don't think you have an idol, listen to what Tim Keller says. He says, an idol is anything that is so central and essential to our lives that should we lose it, life becomes hardly worth living. What is the one thing that you cannot live without? It's an idol. And so... For us to have all these idols, it's, it's almost like we're putting on these headphones, right? Like last night. We're putting on these headphones and we're rocking out to their beat. And all the time God is trying to speak to us and we can't hear. If you want to know God's will, listen. Take the headphones off. Tune out these other voices. And begin to listen in. To tune in. To the shepherd's voice. Tune into the shepherd's voice. When was the last time you prayed? My guess is just a few minutes ago, right? Now, when was the last time you stopped to listen to God? When was the last time that you asked God a question and then actually kind of waited to see if he would answer? My guess is not many of us can say that's something we do on a regular basis. But I believe that scripture teaches that God actually does speak. God actually speaks. In fact, if you don't believe me, just listen to some of these examples, right? All throughout scripture, people have heard God speaking into their normal everyday lives, asking them to do sometimes normal, sometimes crazy things. Noah heard the voice of God. He told him, go build a boat. Abraham heard the voice of God telling him, go and move to a foreign country. Moses heard God speaking out of a bush saying, go get my people out of Egypt. Joshua heard the voice of God saying, be strong and courageous. Samuel heard the voice of God when he was trying to go to sleep as a little kid. David heard the voice of God telling him that Saul was on his way to capture him. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and countless other prophets in the Old Testament heard the voice of God speaking right into their lives, telling them very specific things about what they were to do or to say. Even in the New Testament, Peter hears the voice of God tell him to rise, kill, and eat an unclean animal. Philip hears the voice of God telling him to go and run next to a chariot. Paul hears the voice of God telling him to go and minister to a people that he hadn't ministered to before. John 
John hears the voice of God and visions about things that are to come. And in all of these instances, God chose to speak into people's everyday lives. Now, sometimes, sometimes God chose to randomly interrupt them with some crazy thing. But normally, almost all of the time, we find God speaking as people are already listening As they are already leaning in to what he wants. As they are already, like Mike said this morning, moving in the will of God. I believe that God speaks. Are we listening? Now, let me say a couple of things here. First of all, never, ever, ever will God say something to contradict what he has said in his word. In fact, if you think God has said something to you and it contradicts with this, you are wrong. This is our authority. And we must always, always, always hold up what God has said here as the ultimate authority for our lives. Here's the second thing I want to say. I am not suggesting that this is some sort of divine manipulation, okay? God is not some good luck charm or magical crystal ball that we can peer into and know the future. But just because there are potentials here for abuse and misunderstanding does not mean that we should ignore listening to God altogether, In fact, I think one of the greatest tragedies of our church today is that we just don't seem to care much about what God has to say to us. Listen to what John chapter 10 says. John chapter 10, once again, in verses 3 and 4, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You know, when we ask God to speak to us, the reality is sometimes what we hear may not be a specific answer to questions we're asking. Sometimes the voice of the shepherd might just remind us of our relationship with him And it will strengthen our relationship with him. And I can tell you that, that comfort from the shepherd is way better than any answer to any question that I could ever ask. And so we need to listen. A pastor in Chicago tells a story about uh, a time some time ago when he was praying and he asked God, God, I want to be used by you and and I want you to feel free to interrupt my life. If you want to say something, just go ahead and say it and I'll do it. And so he talks about a short time later, he was getting into his car. It was actually after uh, attending a funeral. He was tired. It was raining outside. He just wanted to go home, get into bed. And as he was getting in the car, He looked up and across the street there was an old lady who was unloading groceries from her trunk and he heard God whisper, how about helping her with her groceries? And so, reluctantly, he walks across the street and he offers to the woman, can I help you with your groceries? She was ecstatic. Yes, yes, that'd be great. 
So he picks up the grocery bags only to realize as he's picking them up that they're not full of normal groceries. These are full of like 30 pounds of fresh peaches each, right? So he pretends like he doesn't mind, like, "Mm, okay, right? And so he says, you know, I'll follow you. And so she starts leading the way. Then he realizes that her driveway uh, to her apartment building is actually closed because of construction. And so they have to walk all the way around. And so he follows this woman as they walk through backyards full of standing water with rain getting into his shoes, mud sloshing at his feet. On top of that, the woman is pretty elderly, arthritic, and has emphysema, and she has to stop every 45 seconds or so just to catch her breath. Okay. By the time they actually make it in to her apartment, it had been 30 minutes since he had first come to the car. And he puts the groceries down, and he shakes her hand to tell her goodbye, and she holds on tight. And she looks him in the eyes, and she says, I will believe to my dying day that God sent you to help me with my groceries today. It may not be anything life-changing or spectacular. But if we will listen to the voice of the shepherd, he speaks. Just last week, in fact, some friends of ours gathered together. Um, It was a gathering in, in the Middle East of mostly people who had or still are living in the Middle East and praying for the Middle East. As our friends were there at this conference one morning, they were praying and uh, early one morning, they, they sensed, uh, one of them sensed that God was directing her to specifically pray for Syria. And so they stopped what they were doing and, and they started interceding for Syria, praying for the people there, asking God to move in power in that country. Well, about that same time, several other people who were there at the conference who had lived in Syria actually woke up sensing that God was waking them up out of their sleep and prompting them to pray for Syria. And so within minutes, several other people came to this room where they were praying. And together, all of them spent an hour together interceding for the nation of Syria and asking God to move. Just a few hours later, they watched on the news as the news broke that the U.S. had led strikes into Syria. God, it seems, was indeed speaking and moving, and even initiating. These stories, guys, are just, are just a couple of, of thousands upon thousands upon millions of stories throughout church history of ways that God has moved and spoken to his people. If we will just learn to tune in to the shepherd's voice. Now, I want to offer you Four suggestions about that as we finish our time today. Okay, four suggestions for listening to the voice of the shepherd. First of all, soak in the word. I cannot emphasize this enough. This book is full of God's words, and we would be fools to neglect what it says. Any conversation that talks about what God says should always include discussion of what God has said. We must, as Mike said this morning, we must start here. The shepherd's voice is found in these pages. Listen to what this word says. Soak yourself in the word. Second of all, we must invite God to speak. 
God is a gentleman and he will not on a regular basis interrupt your life uninvited. That doesn't mean he can't. It just means that if you don't really want God to speak to you, you probably shouldn't expect him to do so. And so perhaps for some of us, we need to just make a regular habit of saying, God, we want to listen. We want to be willing to hear what you have to say. We invite you to speak into our lives. Third, listen intently. This may mean that we need to change up some of the ways that we pray. Maybe we need to build in to our regular quiet times, to our regular times of prayer, some times of silence where we just kind of sit and listen to God to hear what he has to say. And fourth, check it in community. Anything that we hear God say should always be checked with those around us who are more mature in their faith. And so talk to your youth leaders about this. Talk to people back home who are older and wiser in their faith about things that you think maybe God has said to you. And allow their wisdom to help you gain discernment in all of this. In the end, guys, the choice is up to you. The decision is yours. You know, you walked into this weekend probably with all sorts of questions. What does God's will for my life look like? How can I listen better to him? How do I decide between these options that I have? And you've heard a lot this weekend. People talking to you from scripture, from their experiences, from all sorts of different angles. You've heard about these things. But now, now the decision rests in your hands. Will you be someone who simply hears? Or will you be someone who listens? Jesus told a story once about a man who built a house on sand and a man who built a house on a rock. And this is what he said about it. Everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears and does nothing, he's like the one who built his house on the sand. And when a storm came, it fell with a great crash. But everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who built his house on the rock. And when the storm came, it stood firm. Where will you choose to build today? What I want to do to close is I want to actually spend some time praying. We've talked a lot about praying and listening to God. Now I want to do it. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, open us up. I'm going to voice a prayer. And then I want us to sit just for one or two minutes in silence, in prayer. For some of you, you may need to spend this time repenting of your idols, tuning out these other voices and asking God, will you show me? how you see me. For some of you, you just need to come before the throne of God and say, God, is there anything you want to say to me? I would encourage you to use this time to actually listen. Now, the reality is, you may not hear God speak, and that is totally fine. But what we're doing is we are providing the space for God to speak if he so chooses.